me your ears. <laughs> this nation will rise up. Welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. Welcome back to Series 2 of the Elemental Health Podcast. I hope you are enjoying the ride so far. Um, that's truly my desire is that you, you find some value and, and you actually enjoy the, the content that we are putting out for you guys. Welcome back. In this week's episode, we are diving uh, deep with Cy Stratton, who is a really interesting character and has blended um, in a pretty amazing environment that he's created, blended lots of different styles of, of training, um, physical training with a focus on on play and doing things slightly differently and, and getting some incredible movement patterns. And, and he's really put a lot of thought and experimentation. And, and I think this guy is probably up there with people I've met who've tried so many different disciplines um, of, of health and fitness and so many different things and, and trying to incorporate them in his um, incredible establishment that he's, he's put together. Um, so we, we go into, into the weeds and into the deep on, on different aspects of uh, health and fitness, and specifically how um, how it's possible to shift the paradigm from uh, seeing fitness as a, as a chore and, and kind of hard work and, and something that, oh, you have to put a trudge through and, and, and you know, potentially you get injured and all those kind of uh, negative connotations around health and fitness. Um, he, he's really trying to shift the paradigm on that, and we talk about that deep in this episode on how he's, he's trying to uh, turn the corner and, and create a really uh, fun environment where play is a big emphasis and natural movement is a big emphasis of what he does as well. So it's, it's kind of completely different to, to what going on in, in a lot of the mainstream aspects where we just kind of hit it hard and, and, and you know, work hard and, and just turn up and grind it out. That's completely different to, to the way Sai approaches um, everything that he does uh, in the space that he's in. And he's really has it in an incredible environment that he's, he's built there at Local Motion uh, in London. Um, it's phenomenal and a really interesting conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Let's crack on and jump straight in with Simon Stratton. Right, Simon, welcome to the podcast, Series 2, The Deep Dive. So um, the guys, the audience have heard a little bit about you in the intro, um, and I want to sort of continue that and just hear more about kind of what you're up to um, and, and where you are at the moment, and actually deep dive into a couple of things that... Um, that are on my mind around where the industry is going um, sure. in, in terms of the gym space and also the barriers that certain demographics have to, to doing new things, doing cool stuff and, and that sort of, um, those bits and pieces um, we'll try and get into, but obviously kind of, we'll, we'll see how we go. But, um, but yes, yeah, so um, we've literally just found out that we grew up in, in pretty much the same place, which is, yeah, which is, yeah, which is funny, but yes. Yeah, so um, kind of, you know, let's, let's hear um, your, your, a, a brief version of how you came to own, uh, well, run and operate such an amazing space here in Wandsworth and um, your kind of fitness journey and, and, you know, where you are now. Sure. I guess um, I came through quite traditional beginnings, um, like most working out of a kind of global gym, a big kind of corporate gym. Um, and prior to that, and actually during the beginnings of my work as a coach in London, I was also an actor. So um, I was an actor for eight years. So I already had in my head, uh, I guess, more awareness of my physicality, how I move my body, 
um, how I kind of carry myself. Um, that was already part of my sort of training. Uh, I trained at Lambda in uh, in London, and that very much informed the kind of coaching that I was doing. So I was immediately drawn to functional training because it was kind of mm -hmm. cool back then. I think it's a dirty word now, but um, you know anything that wasn't fixed. So I very quickly became very bored of fixed machines. I kind of wanted to move. Um, you know, when all these different bits of functional kit came out, I just wanted to jump on them and play with them. And so I'd always kind of trained that way myself. Um, growing up in the New Forest, uh, I was outside all the time, yeah. riding bikes, climbing trees, making bows and arrows, building dens, sailing, riding horses. So I had a very active childhood. Um, I was immersed in nature all the time. We, like we were saying, my parents had a house in the middle of the New Forest, so five minutes I could be in the woods, mm -hmm. uh, in a tree. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so I think coming from that childhood, coming through acting uh, into the fitness industry, uh, it jarred with me, I think, that kind of global gym setting. Um, and then I, I went to a workshop. I went to a workshop, like a two-day workshop. Um, it was called The Fundamentals of Human Movement. And uh, I realized despite being in pretty good shape, uh, I was actually quite limited in uh, doing a lot of these kind of things that we should be able to do, like flat foot squat, you know, sitting in a wrestling squat, um, and uh, hanging, crawling on the floor. Um, but it felt great. It was fun, and it was challenging, and it was frustrating, but in a good way. It was kind of like, wow, I should be able to do these things. It's crazy. Like we we are animals in the day where you know we have these amazingly adaptable bodies, um, and I kind of felt like I'd been undoing myself physically. So I think despite my aesthetics at that time, how I looked and how people viewed me, um, it didn't necessarily speak of any kind of great function. You know, I didn't. It didn't necessarily mean I could do great things. Yeah, I could lift some heavy weights, and, but. Uh, but I was quite limited in the way that I moved. Um, and I, I never trained the same again. Mm. Uh, and I was introduced to different people. And I went off and I just immersed myself in training with as many different people as I could, as many different things as I could. Um, and that was the beginnings of my movement practice. Right. Um, and I guess the beginnings of local motion. Right. Um, I want to get on to that uh, right away. But... It's funny because that story that you told there is 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 a current theme of, of, of lots of the people I've had on the podcast is they 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 had the kind of aesthetics the classic gym look and um, knowledge and practice but they weren't sort of uh, I'm not using another word but functionally fit they weren't they weren't able to do certain movement patterns and, and it didn't feel kind of as alive as they perhaps um, could and that is such a such a um, a prevalent theme so it's really interesting you saying that as a guest and uh, you know I, I certainly witnessed that in coaching that you know people come to you and they it doesn't really matter what they look like but there's kind of people are, are in pigeonholes of kind of like oh I need to go to a quote-unquote global gym and do x y and z mm. to get healthy quote-unquote healthy which will come on to as well and I think there's, there's a lot of misguided people out there um, and I think we've all been on that journey and I, I would say we've, you know, the guys like yourself and the other guys that have been on the podcast, you, they, you kind of almost have graduated to a different way of thinking, different way of moving, different way of, of acting. And 
to, into, in order to do that, you have to break through some barriers, right? Um, and you were obviously quite in tune, um, given your background and bits and pieces, to actually break through those barriers. But I yeah. think a lot of people aren't able to do that. They're sort of butting up against convention more than anything else. They're not able to, to break through. I think it's that. I think it's I think it's convention. I think it's um, it's this this uh, I think it's a misguided perception of what fitness is, um, and I think that's you know portrayed in most magazines on the shelf. You know, get a six pack in six weeks. Kind of, we're kind of constantly fed this information that's a little bit misleading. Yeah. Um, and is ever changing, as we know. Like, mm. just look at the field of nutrition; it's changing all the time. You know. One minute organic chicken is a superfood. The next minute, you know, we should we be plant based? So it's it's um you know fitness in a weird way has been stuck in a in one thing in one kind of format for such a long time. And I think when we set up locomotion um, five years ago now, it was niche. You know, it was like Ido Portal. Yeah, was niche. Like he was working, and obviously he was a huge inspiration on uh, I think probably most movers in the world, but. Um, not a lot of people knew about movement training, what it was, or really understood it. And and I noticed that opening the doors here, showing people around and telling them what we do, and really seeing a kind of puzzled look on their face. Um, and I think that I think that thing they come up against, and I don't mean this always in a negative sense, but it's it's kind of ego. I think I think ego is a big a big issue. Um, and whether it's, you know, you've been training in the gym and you can bench X and you can squat Y and you can, you know, do X number of push-ups, mm. um, you have to kind of leave that at the door with movement. Movement is kind of the antithesis of that sort of approach to training. It's like, what are my weaknesses? Let me find my weaknesses and iron those out. Mm -hmm. And then let me build... Uh, a practice which will afford me the ability to perform different skills. And then for me personally, my intention always when I'm training is, you know, what am I going to do with this skill that I'm learning? So there are skills that you would perform for the sake of doing a skill, like a handstand is a great example, but the journey to handstand covers so many different things, wrist flexibility, shoulder stability, um, flexion, extension, core strength, um, there's so much wrapped up in that process. It's the process that's the thing, not the not the skill. The handstand is, is just a party trick, mm. um, but it's a target, something to pitch for, to aim for. Um, and these things take time, so you have to love the process. You can't, you know, you, people come in and say like, "Oh, you know, I want to do a muscle up." <laughs> well, you know, that depends where you're at. That could yeah. take time. You might have to put in months and months of work to achieve a skill like that. Yeah. Um, some people are willing to check their ego and and, and uh, come in open-minded yeah. and put in the work and some people aren't they kind of got comfortable in the gym mm -hmm. they feel good yeah like they have a sense of self in the gym people come up to them and they ask them what they eat and they look a certain way and they feel good i guess to a point about that and they, they've worked hard you know people do work hard in the gym that's the thing yeah well what yeah no i, I agree with you 100 what about so that that I, you said it really clearly. I mean, people need to get over themselves to progress in, in any aspect of their life, really. I 100% agree with that. And checking your ego is a massive factor there. What, what do you think we're getting wrong in terms of the guys who aren't yet in the gym or don't have confidence in the gym, but they're still drawn to the conventional 
way of doing lifting weights, the machinery, the kind of like the look like this and, and act like this and train like this. Um, I, I mean, maybe you don't think, but I, I certainly feel like there's a pull towards the conventional way of doing things and, and going, you know, benching loads of weight and doing this and that versus the kind of subculture that you you and I are a little bit immersed in. You, you much more than me, for yeah. sure. I think, uh, I think there is this thing. I think if, we, if, if you said that you didn't, when you trained, you weren't trained to look better, mm. you'd be lying to yourself. I think subconsciously, as, as primates, <laughs> kind of we, we all want to look good. We all want to be attractive to other people. We all kind of uh, are looking for that kind of affirmation um, from without. Uh, I think movement practice is slightly more kind of internal practice. So for me, it's been quite a meditative process. So it's a little bit more about looking in and it kind of, it holds a mirror up to you in many ways. Um, there are many frustrations that come from it. There's a very much a psychological aspect to it as well. So if you're, if I'm training with people, you know, from a parkour background, there's a huge psychological uh, thing going on there. There's, you know, jumping, from height or rolling on the ground for the first time in like 20 years, you know, and that's the big thing I'm passionate about is taking adults out of a gym setting, not to say you don't, don't do that anymore, you know, or you're not welcome here. I think all the training is good. I think it's just knowing why you're doing it. If you want to train to look a certain way, cool, power to you, mm-hmm. power to you. But for me, um, I think again, going back to our childhood, growing up, having an active lifestyle, being outdoors a lot. I was desperate, I think, to reconnect uh, with myself, uh, with other people, because there's definitely a more of a community around uh, movement, mm-hmm. and and to reconnect with nature, essentially, yeah. to reconnect with the ground, and to reconnect with walls and other people. Um, that was a big passion of mine. So uh, I'm very much of the mindset that people should do lots of stuff. You know, I, I used to think I should be a specialist. I used to kind of apologize to people for not being a specialist. Um, but I'm, I'm a real mongrel movement. So I kind of, I do a bit of everything and I love it. And it's what keeps me practicing. So I can't claim to be brilliant at anything, <laughs> but I move every day. Uh, I bring as much play into my movement as possible, whether it be balancing, juggling, or, rolling on the floor or climbing or swimming or whatever it is. Um, that's kind of how I train. So I keep moving and stay healthy and stay passionate, I guess, about what I do. I think, yeah. So I think what I'm hearing there is that you, you kind of, you, 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 yeah, people that aren't there yet need, perhaps not need, it's not for us to dictate, is it really everyone's like each into their own, but there's a level of awareness um, yeah, to, I think that's the key word. Yeah, in, in all aspects of life, <laughs> actually, I think awareness is is the thing. I think in relationships, in your relationship with yourself and other people, um, with your kids. And I have two kids. That's been a that's been a massive learning process. Um, having awareness of yourself and how you how you are uh, in space in relation to other people. Uh, in relation to the environment, and there's a huge thing now about obviously our, our impact on on the planet. Um, you know, this is just all comes down to awareness. Really, I yeah. think that's a very powerful thing. Um, and I think again, going back, if you can understand why you're doing something, 
time. If you can come up with a legitimate reason for doing something, I think, right? Mm. I think, yeah. And, and, right. and, and coupling that with what you said earlier is the, I think we overlook the basic stuff as well, the kind of primal movement bits and pieces, which, you know, it, it's a thing now, don't get me wrong. And you're, you're very much immersed in that culture. Um, but for kind of the lay person out there that, you know, I think they kind of, it's that classic thing. They're kind of overlooking the basic stuff. And, and you, in most aspects of life, you know, the awareness is to actually do the basics really well. That, that is a, a type of awareness, isn't it, really? And, and I know a lot of practices that you do um, is, is about mastering those basic things that we quote unquote don't need because we've designed these these technological things to, to sit on or, yeah. or, or sit in and get us to, from A to B. And, you know, so I think. Yeah, that, that awareness that we need to kind of peel it back to a much more base level is huge as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and you know, I've got I've got friends who can probably talk in a much more educated way on this stuff. But um, yeah, that's very much part of my. I'm in that place now. I mean, I've I've been, I did a lot of things. I trained, uh, had the pleasure of training with um, Paul Check, um, oh, wow. holistic lifestyle coaching, and. Um, you know that I made a lot of change stuff back that course, which I think was like four or five days. Um, you know, you, you go to these things and uh, things kind of resonate with you. You know, you're always kind of pulling, extracting. I think that's why, you know, I, when I do a lot of stuff, I'm constantly pulling threads. Yeah. So it's nice when I work with clients to be able to do multiple things with them because it keeps it interesting for them as well. Yeah. Um, I agree exactly, exactly. My my sort of and and I I sort of resonate with that kind of. No, I wouldn't call it generalist, but that approach of, of kind of look, looking at lot, lots of different aspects. And I, I don't like the word, but I've not found a better word, holistic approach to, yeah. to doing things. I yeah. think it gets banded around a lot, but it kind of it sums up what, what we're kind of talking about, really, and, and looking at the very different aspects. And, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Paul Check's work and, and um, the, the, the way that he sort of approaches subjects and topics. It's, a, it's such a deep level to his understanding, and, it, and that's yeah. certainly comes through in the education as well, I think, brilliant. And I think that when I came back from that course in particular, you know, I did things like I stripped all the chemicals out of the house. So uh, my wife was amazingly into all that sort of stuff, even more than I am. So we would strip back the use of, uh, you know, we'd change out our washing up liquid and change out our detergent, our softeners and change. And we, um, you know, filter our water. And so we're making these little tweaks over time and kind of, cool. um, so that, um, you know, I feel really strongly about that. I think, in a weird way, like having a much more simplistic life is the sort of, in a weird way, it's a happier life because there's less things to sustain. And one thing I'm really fascinated about is, and one thing I talk to other people when I'm trying to convince them that, you know, reconnecting with nature or movement in in a physical sense is, is the way is that, you know, when we go on holiday, for example, like my clients, when they go away, uh, you know, they will go to the mountains, to the beach, to stay in a tree house in the forest, to the jungle, and um, we we are drawn back to nature, yeah. you know, to restore ourselves. We kind of want we want that. We want to swim in the ocean. We want to kind of ski down a mountain, you know. And and I think uh, nature is an incredibly powerful uh, tool for healing and, and for restoring. So um, it's hard being in London. You know, we have an urban space. Yeah. But we try to inject a little bit of nature into that. You know, we have plants hanging in the space, and we have a lot of natural daylight. Um, we try not to use the lights in the studio too much. We don't have to. Just little things like that. We take the guys outside. 
you know, so if the weather's good, we'll go in the park. We literally go into the kids' park. Yeah. Thinking George's park flying. <laughs> and we literally just play. Yeah. We just kick all the kids off the climbing frame. We swing and jump and hang and climb. Doesn't get any simpler than that, does it? And it, it's great. It, it's amazing the buzz. Like, people are buzzing afterwards. Because we, we, don't, we almost need permission to play as adults. You know, we have to go. Someone has to give us permission to play. And we do play, like, don't get me wrong, people play squash and they play tennis and they play these things, these little, you know, they invest in these things, but... Um, it's not playing for playing sake. Yeah, we don't yeah. kind of roughhouse and roll around. And, yeah. Why? Why? Why do we lose that? I think life's a bit serious, isn't it? It's all a bit serious. I mean, we're very fortunate to work in a job where we can do that stuff yeah. and then make a living from it. Um, it's the same with you know, when I was an actor. You get paid money to tell stories and yeah. um, so I guess I haven't really ever wanted a proper job <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's kind of cool like, I mean going back to what I was saying like, we're kind of these highly adaptable creatures um, and I think that's the focus of my training is to be adaptable like, I just want to go and, I want to be able to go and do anything I want and just jump in at a reasonably decent level so that I can enjoy it you know um, so, you know, whether it's kite surfing or like we took some of the guys out running electric skateboards and wakeboarding, and so we try and take guys out to do stuff to put all the skill training that they're doing into some kind of context, some kind of adventure-based context, mm-hmm. life-enriching context, axe throwing and all this kind of stuff, um, and that's great. And, that, and I think it not only builds the community, the, the tribe, which yeah. is what we're trying to kind of build. Um, but uh, it also helps people to further understand the purpose behind why they would do this stuff yeah. that we're getting to do. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think, yeah, so, I, I, yeah. Well, so just just sort of roll back a sec. So, you know, we haven't explored kind of what the gym space is about. Or, sure. you know, so just go into a little bit of detail about what your kind of establishment is and, and what, what the emphasis is in here and what your ethos is. Sure. So um, local motion was essentially born five years ago out of a frustration that there were all these things as a someone who was getting into movement that I wanted to practice that uh, I was traveling all over London trying to find things often in quite obscure places, uh, whether it be different martial arts or parkour, um, Move mats of like natural movement stuff, yeah. tree climbing, and all those other things. And I was looking to open a space anyway. I think I was at a point where I was quite nomadic and I was looking to kind of have a base. And I kind of thought, well, why, why don't I open a space where I can just bring all these things under one roof? Um, which no one had done. So I thought, well, maybe I found a clever niche in the market. Yeah. And that's kind of what we did. I just kind of pulled on all my contacts. Um, I was looking for space for quite a long time. Came in for a juice with my wife and my son at the time. Uh, well, he's still my son. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? And um, we were sitting downstairs. We were above Planet Organic in Monsworth. Yeah. Sitting downstairs and my wife looked up and there was a kind of mezzanine uh, an empty space. And she's like, well, there's a space up there. And he'd go and ask the guys... If you can have a look around, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it on Monday. It's cool. Mm. Just, no, go, go and do it now. Obviously, knowing me very well. And I did, and I walked into this amazing 
open plan, light industrial vibe space with loads of natural light. And I fell in love with it. And uh, yeah, I started calling people and I started touring people around the space. So this is before you even built the space. <laughs> it's just flat concrete. <laughs> yeah. And just telling them about my vision, yeah. basically. Um, and just telling them what I wanted to build. I wanted to create a tribe. And I wanted to like, have all these amazing movement practices in one place. And then to pull in all these different coaches and run workshops and seminars. And, and um, for some reason, people just bought, bought into it, I guess. I think I was just so passionate about it. People mm-hmm. were just like, yeah, man, let's do it. Yeah. So, um, so most of that crew are still here. Um, yeah, we brought guys in from like calisthenics, um, primal movement, animal flow, capoeira, um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, tricking, parkour. Um, we collaborated with some people. We collaborated um, with parkour generations for a time. Um, yeah, and the idea was just to get as much on the schedule as possible. So that when people came in, um, you know, they could kind of find the groove, but then obviously the uh, the intention was always to disrupt that groove at some point and push them off to do and try yes. other things because uh, even even we found like yoga people come in and they do one style of yoga they ask for a very specific style of yoga and uh, I always think why why don't you just practice one style like it, it goes back to this idea of specialization like I get it but there comes a point I think and it probably just maybe hadn't come for them yet where you kind of think okay. I'm getting really good at this now. I'm becoming really confident at this. And then maybe I've kind of explored this to a point where I can start to go off and explore something else now without it having a detrimental effect on this mm-hmm. thing that I've been exploring. And I think movement's a little bit like that. Um, so we have people coming from yoga, and then we'd say, why don't we get rid of the mat and put a little primal twist on it, and you try on the floor. And they love it. <laughs> and they love it. And it's very different. Yeah, very different. Mm-hmm. But it, there's enough yogic moves in there for it to be kind of comfortable. Yeah, relatable. And, yeah. yeah, and then you see this amazing evolution of mindset, which is like, oh, this is kind of cool. Maybe I'll try some of like the movement classes. Um, sounds sneaky. Sorry, sounds sneaky. sneaky <laughs> yeah. I think, I think um, you know, it's now sitting here with you now. People know what move. I think a lot of people know what it is, and I think a lot of people practice some kind of movement. I mean, if I go to the gym next door, mm-hmm. there are people doing handstands, and there are people, you know, there are guys doing yoga, and there's that wasn't happening you know, five years ago. I didn't see that on the gym floor. And I think social media's had a lot to do with that. Facebook and Instagram, especially, people seeing other people doing amazing things with their body, mm-hmm. doing handstands and different hand balancing and arm balancing and tricks and backflips and people are inspired. I think that's been a really positive uh, thing that social media has brought forward. Um, there is a little bit of this, like, I want it now. Like, how long will it take me to get mm-hmm. this? Or how long will it take me to get that um, mindset, which I think is kind of born out of the, the magazines. Um, and I think that's been the hard part, I think. Educating people on why they should do it, getting them involved in the practice, and then convincing them to stick with it. Yep. Uh, for the long term. Um, so, what? How have you gone about that? How have you attracted your your market audience? Have you got people through the door? So we 
a lot of word of mouth, to be honest, because we're on the high street, we're off the high street, so we're going upstairs by the store. Yeah. Um, the right store, though, you're above the right store. The right store, yeah. Um, and we are very fortunate. We've inadvertently become a kind of a hub for educational um, education in the movement arena in London. So having the only movement space for like the best part of five years in the city, um, we've had some amazing people through our doors. Um, so we've been able to kind of I think, reach a larger audience uh, on social media. Uh, we have some phenomenal trainers who all have their own followings um, and skill sets and specialisations. Um, and that can't be underestimated. I mean, the team here is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what keeps people here. It's not just the training that's so different, unique, and varied. Like No session is the same. We never repeat a session, even the circuits that we teach here, which are still a fusion of of all the things that we do, yeah. like gymnastic strength, parkour, um, you know, mobility. Uh, even those things, I think, what keeps people here, as well as the variety, is the, the people that they meet in the sessions, so the tribe, mm-hmm. and then the tribe beyond that, which is the team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there's a very strong philosophy here as well, you know, about nurturing people and looking after people and wanting to develop individual people. Yeah. There's no cookie-cutter bullshit. Mm. It's, right, everything is scalable. So if you come into a gymnastic strength class, there are options, and even if you've got an injury, or you know, we will tailor-make the session to you. Um, so I think, I hope everyone feels like they're being looked after as an individual, not just kind of thrown into a room switch on the disco lights, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> let's just like yeah. rinse ourselves and high-five each other and, and yeah. then, you know, grab an eight-pound smoothie, <laughs> <laughs> which happens, which does happen. Um, I, I think, yeah, that's that sounds incredible, it really does, and I think, yeah, I, I don't think you, you cannot overlook the community aspect and, 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 and creating that, and, and that's, the, I think, nowadays, that's the nut to crack, isn't it? Really, that's the hard part about running a business like this is is attracting and 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 and, and sort of keeping people in your community. Yeah. Not not a hard part, but that's that's the challenge certainly to get people through the door and over over the sort of threshold of kind of like oh it feels a little bit different, a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. And they're better than me. I'm comparing myself to all these people, and I've only just started. Do I want to go back? All those sort of things. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And I think that's and show shin, which is like a childlike mind to this whole concepts idea this approach of the beginner's mind mm-hmm. come in as a beginner so we very much talk about that like forget what you think you know right in a movement session one minute you're going to be killing it and the guy next to you is going to be struggling and two minutes later you could switch mm-hmm. you know that's that's the thing there's no no one's coming in nailing everything yeah in a movement session so it's a great leveler and i noticed that when i went into gymnastic halls and i went into parkour spaces Everyone's lovely. They're very intimidating spaces because I remember going into a gymnastics hall for the first time. I probably had like a 20 second handstand or something. <laughs> and I thought, I felt pretty confident. <laughs> and I went in and there were these guys that were doing amazing things. And I was just, I was on the verge of walking out because I thought, what am I doing here? This is crazy. Like, what am I actually going to do yeah. here? How do I start this? But everyone was so lovely and supportive mm-hmm. and friendly because it's hard. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. 
there are no egos. Mm. They, they part those a long time ago, you know? Yeah. And then what you notice about those guys as well, going back to one thing you were saying, is that they are constantly working on their foundation. They mm. are always doing the basics. Like, you always see these guys doing the basics. Yeah. So there is, you, of course, you progress over time, but there's a, there's a foundation of, like, basic things that you want to remain a master of. Um, and that's been a big part of my checking my ego is kind of coming back and going back to the wall with the handstand or, you know, putting extra mobility stuff into a strength workout or, you know, and then, and realizing that all of these things can be blended together. Yeah. There is, you know, it doesn't have to be, well, I do CrossFit, so I don't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I go to the gym, so why would I do that? Um, you know, move, box, roll roughhouse, climb, swim, yeah. do as much as you can. Yeah. I think it's when people do too much of one thing, they're going to get into trouble. Um, yeah, that's when the imbalances start to happen, isn't yeah, it? I think so. Too much sitting, if for example, like <laughs> yeah, an example, yeah. too much sitting yeah. is going to screw you up as much as too much lifting is going to screw you up. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Too it's, much eating meat is, yeah. It's, and it's ama- it's a, it is amazing the human mindset on things because sitting is a great example. I mean, it doesn't take much to change that behavior. Um, but our day is riddled with opportunities to sit. Mm. And for some reason, we just give in to those opportunities. So we're yeah. just like, oh, cool, there's a chair. Yeah. And we sit here. I'm going to lean on this wall for a little bit. Or, but it only takes a little effort to kind of make quite dramatic changes. I think maybe where people go wrong is they're trying too much too quickly. Yeah. Uh, and it's unsustainable. And I think the lifestyle that fits around uh, movement training is very much similar to the mindset of movement training itself, which is just start slow, just kind of drip feed stuff in, constantly sort of testing things out. Um, some things stay, some things go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not to say we live in a modern world, it's a fantastic world. Yeah. It screws us over in lots of ways, but if you're aware of how it screws you over, going back to awareness, you can make changes. So like if sitting at your desk is a problem and is affecting you being able to get on the floor and play with your kids, stand up at your desk. Get a standing desk. Yeah. You don't have to buy it yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, go for a walk at lunchtime. I don't know, hang from a tree. Like there are simple things. It's not I think that's you know, that you don't need equipment to move and be healthy. No, I agree with you. You don't. Um, I, I, my kind of feeling, and and, and uh, you know, I've been I've been reading um, Jordan B. Peterson's book recently, yeah. and and um, I, you know, I think I I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think the barriers, you know, if I just think kind of my my audience, my guys that I coach, and um, the, the the psychological barriers to doing childlike stuff and admitting that they're not very good at something and you know i think i think the struggles i see uh, that there's been a shift for sure in the struggles that i see and the way i perceive it because i used to think oh well, it's simple um all we need to do is x y and z but i think then you you know what i see a lot of and this is in um pre-hospital clinical practice as well is you, you you meet these people and they're just a bag of insecurities and a bag of self-loathing um, and, and in order to to do the things that we're talking about, you know, the cool stuff that we're talking about, even if it's so basic that, that you know, 
I just think there's, you know, there's, there's, it's a struggle. It really is. And, and, and the cultural norms are pushing you in the opposite direction. And, it, you know, I think there's something that I was debating in, in, a, in a Facebook group is, is kind of like, oh, people are just lazy. And I just think, that, you know, as professionals, it's just not a good enough answer. I think there's mm. just, there's like, you know, the psychological aspect can't be overlooked. Um, and, and I guess that's kind of like the deep, deep dive aspect of this chat I was going to move into. So, um, not that I'm challenging what you're saying, but <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. And as yeah. you're talking, I'm thinking of reasons. Mm. Lazy is one of them. Yeah. Ego, obviously, is another. And I think it's a combination of things. Mm. But it, it is, um, it is, diff- it is difficult because we people we do care what other people think about us. Yeah. And we probably shouldn't. Yeah. And it does stop us from doing a lot of things. And I include myself in that. Yeah. Um, and I do, if I'm training in a gym space, I, I'm aware of people watching me and I probably want them to think like, cool, that guy's doing some cool stuff. Or, you know, they, they, of course there's an, there is an ego. I'm not saying that we can be without ego, mm-hmm. but it's, um, I guess it's trying to bring an awareness to the ego, to what you're feeling and why you're feeling it and trying to manage that in the best way possible. So you can just lead a, you know, you can lead a fulfilling physical practice, life, yep. relationship, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and I'm saying that as someone who's very much working on <laughs> all of those things yeah. still. I think that's what we do. I think as you get older um, and you have kids and you, you know, well, you've been at a desk for X number of years, it, it, it slaps you across the face. Yeah. And you are forced to confront uh, you know, if you come out of, like, were you in the army? Yeah. So if you come out of the military or you come out of professional sport, like we have a lot of guys who play ex-professional rugby players, you know, very physical people, incredibly fit people, um, you know, fast, powerful, you know, athletes. Um, but they they have had a bit of a rude awakening coming off the pitch that, well, actually, you know, well, they're riddled with injury. Yeah, start. broken. Yeah. But then also... They're taking a beating, yeah. um, and the way they train is very linear. It's very kind of forwards and backwards, lift, put down. Mm. Um, so a lot of those guys end up moving into uh, movement. Yeah. We've had a lot of guys come in here as strength conditioning coaches and very quickly see in like a kind of magpie, yeah. oh, what's that guy doing over there at the ring? That's cool. Um, yeah. And they become, you know, some of them become absolute beasts yeah. on the parapets of the rings very quickly. Um, but they get obsessed with the mobility and, you know, regaining, reclaiming uh, that ability to move and be be free and be pain-free, I think, yeah. as well, more, more important. I think, yeah, it doesn't take a lot to get people moving in the right direction. Once you open their eyes to the kind of, like, aspects that really kind of you intrinsically adhere to, kind yeah. of childlike aspects of it, you break through the, the few layers of ego and stop doing it, it becomes so much fun. You get so much value out of it. Um, yeah. And you want to fail. I think that's the thing. Yeah. Like you yeah. should You should want to fail. Yeah. And that's okay. Like no one cares. Yeah. Like what I was saying, no one cares how many reps you're doing. Yeah. Like just do them really well mm-hmm. and train at your level. And then when the time is right, you just, you, you know, you build up and you increase it over time. Don't, doesn't matter what your partner's doing, the person next to you. And I think that's, that was a big thing for me in the gym. I used to get distracted all the time. That's probably why I'm a generalist, right? I'm distracted. I'm like, oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. Um, what, um, what, so, okay, let, let's be really focused um, just for a couple of minutes. So 
if um, I came to you, I'm 40, I'm overweight, I, I, I used to play sport, um, I used to think I was good at sport in my 20s, and I used to think I was fit. Reality is largely irrelevant in life. Yeah. Uh, I think the study shows you only remember 50% of what's actually true. So, But I used to think I was fit, I used to think I, I was re- good at sport, I'm now overweight, I haven't really done any exercise for, I don't know, between 5 and 10 years, I'm busy, busy, busy in my own mind. Um, why, why would I be drawn to kind of, why, why should I um, indoctrinate myself in this movement culture that you're advocating versus, you know, going to the, the global gym next door and um, doing what, what Arnie did? Okay, I think, uh, <laughs> I think it's quite an easy argument in the sense that it's more simplistic. You can do it at home. Uh, you don't need a lot of stuff. You can fit it around family and work and life. Um, we've created this mindset that in order to be healthier and to look better physically, we have to punish our bodies. And that's just not the case. Um, and I think my first thing with clients is try and have them take a, a more restorative mindset just like right how am i feeling like one of my first questions when cats come in is like how's the body how are you feeling what's going on because the whole session might change based on what's happening they might have sprained their ankle on the way from the car park to the gym or um and then with that often comes a psychological aspect as well you know in fact they'll often tell you how they're feeling emotionally before they tell you how they're feeling physically um, and I think I think people of that age really are looking to take better care of themselves and that's kind of what it's all about it's like an exploration of self how am I feeling how am I moving how do I feel when I move is that right mm. am I Am I operating in my optimum, you know, s- space? And the answer is more than not likely no. Uh, people waking up like their joints hurt, things are cracking, popping, clicking, and they'll wake up exhausted. You know, they're they they're not eating great, but they know they're not eating great. They're just stuck in a bit of a cycle. They're going to the gym and they're just like punishing themselves, like pushing heavy weights and doing high volume, more stress. They're going work, the stress at work, yeah. they get home, they can kind of barely manage things at home, like, you know, and again, I'm talking from the person who's doing. And we just, yeah, they're, they're just stressed out. Mm. You know, cortisol's high, and don't get me wrong, cortisol's good, like, the U-curve of stress, you know, there's a point at which cortisol stress is very useful, yeah. it gets out of bed, it gets us doing stuff, um, but there's definitely a point at which it becomes a negative force. Um, as we all know, mm-hmm. I think, and there's been a lot of that recently around sort of mental health awareness. Um, and I think it just comes down to balance. So it's like within that programming for that client, it will be one-to-one, face-to-face, physical coaching, and then opening a discussion about other stuff. So mm-hmm. opening a discussion about lifestyle stuff, mm-hmm. um, sleep. Yeah, uh, managing stress and 
these are just conversations. They're not, you know, it's not me saying, I'm an expert in sleep. It's me just saying, I know a few things about sleep. I'm going to tell you about them. Um, maybe you'll implement them, maybe you won't. Maybe you'll forget about it, and then in six months you'll come and say, do you know what, I turn off my uh, phone by the time of the bed, and I put a blackout blind up. <laughs> you know, yeah. I listen to mind, five minutes of mindfulness before I went to sleep, and, and, uh, or I didn't have a coffee after like 6 p.m., whatever it might be, yeah. and I actually had a bed night's sleep. And it, it might take that long for things to sink in. Mm. So it's that process again, that kind of journey. I, yeah, well, incredible answer. Really, really, yeah, really verbose, but, but to the point as well. I think, yeah, no, 100%. I think, um, and that's, you know, you, you put it, I think you put it more concisely than I possibly could. Um, I think, yeah, just, yeah, awesome answer. You're just drawing people to the, uh, to the awareness that, you know, it shouldn't be a struggle and, um, you know, it shouldn't be, just hard, 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 pounding away. And I think, especially blokes, we've just got that mindset that everything should be such a huge challenge and I'm going to climb the mountain and I'm going to come down to the side of hero, you know, that journey that we want to punish ourselves on. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I think, yeah, you'd have sold it to me. <laughs> but I think, and, and, and it's, it just rings true because the more, you know, that we, it's, it's almost a catch 22. You, we're trying to achieve something through punishing ourselves, but the thing we're trying to achieve is less punishment. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know how we get ourselves in that frame of mind in the first place, but we all, we all do. <laughs> it's a very human thing to do. And then we jump in and we're kind of like, oh, well, it should be hard. It should be X, Y, and Z and, and all the expectations that come with that. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm quite, I'm quite opinionated on, on that aspect of things that if you, if you have a stressful job and you work in the city and you work under artificial lights all the time and you're, you know, you're constantly around computer screens and phone screens and you're exposed to all this stimulus all the time and then you go out and there's rules and regulations don't do this, don't walk here, don't... You know, if, if you're constantly being beaten down with all this stuff, surely what you need to do is then find time and space to remove yourself from that, mm -hmm. kind of restore, so it would be the kind of parasympathetic yeah. aspect of training or just even self-care, yeah. you know, and you can call it holistic, but it essentially it's just like stopping yeah. seeing like where you're at, what's going on, and being aware of that and seeing what you need. It might be that you don't need to go and do a hit class. Yeah. You know, you might be stressed enough. Yeah. Um I think it's a bit like the bad backs things, you know, you have a bad back for a little while and then actually if it goes away you get a bit worried. Because you've been living with it for so long. Yeah. It's more unfamiliar not to have become a friend. Back you know, yeah. like um, I think if you're living in a high stress environment all the time, maybe your go to thing is just to get more stress. Or, yeah. you know, you're almost feeding off the stress. Yeah. Well, that is exactly what we're doing. We, we, we're producing the peptides, we're, we're talking to neuroceptors. Yeah. Those patterns of thoughts and the patterns of behavior become so ingrained that when we, we cut them out and we try and sit still, our, our body physically says, What the fuck is going on? I, I, I need these hormones, I need these peptides. Yeah. Of stress and and you again you're in a loop that you can't get out of and, and, and yeah. it's a physiological process it's the endorphin rush and i think there are a lot of gyms and a lot of franchises and businesses making a lot of money off that addictive cycle yeah um you of course you feel great when you push yourself mm -hmm. hard and there is a place for that i think we should all push ourselves at times that's where you learn a lot about yourself 
and taking yourself to a place of high stress or you know physical uh, work or yeah. output. Um, I'm not saying people shouldn't do that. I just think the volume at which people do that, yeah, you know, yeah, it's in, like, in light of the lives that we lead, yeah, it's different. Like the someone from the New Forest, <laughs> you know, who gets up every morning and walks the dog, and I mean, you probably won't bump into anyone else, right? Yeah, or you bump into one other dog walker who you probably know, yeah, and have a nice little chat, yeah. Um, you know, if you if you live that lifestyle. Maybe hit training is a really great thing for you. Maybe that's a balance. Maybe there's a balance there. Balance, yeah. um, maybe the endorphin rush of like racing dinghy or something yeah. on the weekend or like racing X-Boats, which used to be, well, is it still a big thing down there? So yeah. The adrenaline of that, you know, the yeah, competition yeah. Yeah. Is, is, a, is a great counterbalance to your kind of relaxed country life. I think in London, it's a bit of a different beast. And I think, again, a lot of young people in there who haven't discovered that they need to move well yet yeah in their kind of teens and 20s and maybe even early 30s but being told that that's the trendy thing to do to go and into these kind of discotheque yeah boutique spaces and pump and get the yeah. pump get the pump on yeah and uh there's this whole you know there's an insta celebrity thing around these places now and that's you know it's cool again i would probably quite enjoy going there from time to time and training, but it's not going to be my bread and butter go-to yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And you know, now I've moved to the seaside. You know, my, yeah. my, my the thing I try and do, I try and do every day is, is walk down to the beach and go for a five-minute swim. Like that's that's the extent of my goal to throw myself into the fire of getting the pump on. Do you know what I mean? I'm not I'm not thinking about things like that. I think yeah, because. We're, 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 you know, we, it's funny, we, we, we create financial stress, uh, emotional stress, we, we, we go to sort of high stress job environments, and the answer that we've come up with is to throw ourselves into a high stress physical environment. I mean, none of that strikes me as having an aspect of balance and harmony to it. Um, yeah. And that, it's no wonder that we have to keep relearning what we knew a thousand years ago. It's no wonder yeah. we're in that cycle. You know, we're happens on the wheel. Uh, so uh, yeah, 100% agree with you. And I think um, move, moving forward, the, the the point, the other point I picked up on when you when you were given your answer was um, the that coaching relationship versus uh, the the what Paul Check would say the very broken relationship, the very uh, broken relationship between um, a physician and their patient versus a coach and a client. Um, and, and, and that the way that you kind of you're not you position yourself as a professional but you're perhaps not you're not positioning yourself as someone who is prescribing drugs whether they be pills or exercises or you know I, I don't know if you can comment on that aspect of it yeah um, I think tell me if I've got this, if, I answer, if I'm answering it wrong um, yeah for me it's, it's like it's a kind of a persuade it's a persuade it's a conversation so I don't often prescribe movement stuff to my clients. They might have things they're working on, mm -hmm. and then if they're going training between seeing me, they'll be working on those things. Um, you know, often we'll take the movement and we'll reverse engineer it, so we'll break it down into its component parts. Like a lot of movement training is based around training patterns of movement, not isolating individual muscles. So they might be practicing smaller patterns, you know, in a 
build up to learning a skill, for example. And that might be something they're passionate about and they'll be greasing that groove on their own time. That's cool. But um, yeah, I'm not really kind of prescribing anything. I think what happens is people get to a point where they enjoy it so much that they just instinctively do it. Mm -hmm. So I, I've driven past a client once on the way to work, hanging off some scaffolding outside a coffee shop. <laughs> Wicked. Um, and I was like, oh, that's amazing. And like an old client as well. And they were just out walking the dog, and they saw some scaffolding, and they thought, oh, I could really, I obviously just really feel like having a hang. Yeah. Uh, and that's great. And then I always say to people, like, you know, you're never going to walk through a park in the same way again. Yeah. You see a rain with balance on it. You know, you see a wall, you'll never kind of jump over it. Um, and it, it's uh, it's a very playful, and I think it's a very instinctive thing. I think once people get permission to do it. Um, yeah. You know. I, I think, yeah, that is kind of what I was getting at. But I think my kind of nuanced um, bias from maybe clinical practice is, is, is moving away from um, a kind of a very prescriptive role and, and kind of a more nuanced relationship where it's about uh, it's about the individual raising their like we saying raising their own awareness and, and and taking ownership and accountability of their journey. I think that's kind of where I was going with that kind yeah. of thing because that's a big part of what I preach basically. So you know, I think. I'm sure we're both in a situation where people come to you and they say, yeah, I've got an hour a week or two hours a week, you know, get me fit. And you're like, yeah. well, hang on, there's 160 hours a week. You want me to do what? Okay, let's look at, you know, let's, let's kind of look at what's going on throughout the week and, and what aspects, you know, those one or two hours in a week, you know, how much impact do you really think that's going to have versus the reality of your life, stress, situation that's going on? Yeah, not a lot is the answer. And uh, that's the hard thing, I think. You assume that people come and are passionate and engaged and invested in doing stuff, and often they're not. There's a hundred different excuses why they can't fit it into their day. Or, um, and I think you know, if you're asking people to go to the gym and do a 90-minute weight session four or five times a week, that's probably a big ask. I think a movement is a little bit more bite-sized. You can just like squat while you're checking your emails or hang from a tree in your lunch break. Like I was saying, yeah. <laughs> just you can just kind of start to drip feed it in. And even those little bits over time will make a huge difference to kind of how you feel. Um, you know, being in nature, just try and find ways. Uh, I try and encourage a lot of people, if they're taking calls, to go outside. Yeah. Just like walk around the building, I don't know, walk down the street. Like go out, why would you sit in your office in a swivel chair? If you, yeah. could, if you want an hour's conference call, why not walk through the park? Yeah. I don't know, little things, just, I guess, just offering ideas like dropping in ideas mm. um so i guess from a coaching perspective it's like a it's like an ongoing conversation yep um and it's an e it's an individualized evolution mm -hmm. in that everyone's different everyone has their own excuses and their own kind of patterns of behavior their own habits sometimes you can disrupt those and change habits uh, with people sometimes they, you have to wait for them to do it themselves yeah. Those are the most effective changes when people decide, do you know what? I need to I need to change this. Yeah. Right, right, I'm gonna make a change. Like it's always more powerful, I think. I think yeah, and, and just you know something I'm thinking about and based on what you're saying is that you know we touched on earlier is 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 the play aspect of it. You know, I think we're fixated on things being work or should be hard work and we've mentioned it a few times and 
it's it's completely flipping that paradigm, isn't it? Really mm. on its head and saying, you're not, you're not. I'm not here to help you work more. I'm here to to help you take a completely different approach to your health, effectively. Yeah. And those are very big, high level concepts. But I think that's where you have to start because that's where it permeates down and the, the real change happens. Because, like you say, it needs to come from the individual. Uh, because when we get pushed into something, we, we, we resist, you know, and we, yeah. we, we, we don't do it, we don't like it, it feels uncomfortable, the friction is so high. Yeah. Yeah, I think when, you, when we have people in a group setting, um, it's interesting to introduce, so when we warm up, we will play games, and it'll be quite play-based. And some of those games are really hard, yeah. physically hard. Yeah. Um, and some of them it's kind of light playful, some of them might be based on hand-eye coordination or spatial awareness or rhythm or... And sometimes those those exercises are, you know, there's some eye rolling from like the new guys or girls, because um, they're a little bit uncertain. This is a bit different. It's like, well, it's very different, very yeah. different. Um, but then the brilliant thing about play is it it's fun. So as soon as they start to play, they're smiling and giggling and quite childlike behaviour. Yeah. Um, and there's connection, so there's connection from them. So like if I'm bouncing a ball, there's a brain-body connection. Like I'm in the moment, I'm bouncing it. I'm not thinking about my ex-girlfriend or yeah. my boss, you know. I'm thinking about the ball bouncing from the hand to the floor and back, and uh, you're kind of in the moment. That's quite a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, because how often are we truly present? So I think there's that aspect of it. Then if you get to play the game with someone else or with the group, you're forcing this kind of physical, in, this kind of visceral interaction, um, which immediately breaks down barriers. So within 10 minutes, you can break people off into groups and they'll be physically spotting each other, giving each other feedback, chatting about their weekend. You know, it's a really good, uh, very powerful thing. Um, and yeah, there's some resistance to it. But I think once you've broken the back of it, it's like, this is cool. Yeah. Like, what are we going to play this week? What's <laughs> next? Like, what can you come up with next? What else can you do with a tennis ball? Like, getting people out yeah. out of those out outside their shell, isn't it? And then as soon yeah. as you realize it's a whole new world, and you you can't help but enjoy yourself because it like you said, it's very visceral. Um, you, we've innately got a connection to these things and to each other, uh, but yet we put these barriers day to day in front of each, in front of ourselves. It's crazy. Yeah. The handshake is like just the barrier to the hug, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's um, it's weird. People get weird about being other people's personal space, and it's very city. It's very much a city thing. Um, when I arrived in London, I remember getting on the tube. I was going to drama school and you know, getting on the tube at Ealing Broadway, and I remember getting on the tube and saying good morning to everyone. Yeah. And people were just like, <laughs> people just freaked out, like, like really jolly, yeah. jolly country boy, like hi, morning, um, which I don't do anymore. <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, I think I think it goes. This goes back to this whole thing of like connection mm. and. Uh, that's been a big thing for me, I think, working with different guys, uh, you know, people who specialise in natural movement, uh, like I'm at a core movement, or people who specialise in tree climbing or whatever it might be, is reconnecting with nature, reconnecting with yourself, so having your self-practice, and reconnecting with other people, being able to work with other people physically. Um, I've just started practising Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Cool. It's amazing. Me too. It's, it's like, cool, man. <laughs> it's like... Um, yeah, it's just the most organic thing I've ever, primal thing I've ever done. So it's yeah. like roughhousing, you're fighting different people, different sizes, different weights, different genders, 
um, you and I could roll one day and then the next day we could roll and it will be completely different because you might be in a bad headspace or yeah. um, I don't know, it's just this great thing I, and I kind of feel like uh, you don't get that connection, that kind of physical, mm. I mean just straight yeah. in, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's no, <laughs> about, there's no intro yeah. to, it's like no, 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 this no. guy's going to try and choke you out. And, uh, you know, and from my perspective, yeah, absolutely. And from my perspective, you know, <laughs> there's nothing more humbling than have your face dragged across the map by yeah. uh, a four foot five girl that weighs 50 kilos. Do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> and that's the thing. How often, as an adult, male in particular, are you put in a position where you feel helpless? Yeah. Like, yeah. I have, we avoid I, it. I we have, avoid I have, it. I have, yeah. I'm, I'm good at talking my way out most things. <laughs> Um, that was quite humbling. Yeah. And then when you are the one putting someone in that situation, that's very empowering in a very primal way. Yeah. Um, and you know that's that's an incredible art form, um, and that's something I'm really looking forward to kind of mm. pursuing. Um, and I'm incorporating a lot of that sort of stuff. And I actually, without knowing it, because genetic natural, which is like the basis of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Capoeira. Uh, which you find a lot of in things like movement. Um, I was doing a lot of those movements yeah. anyway, the ground movements. Yeah. So, um, Synergies across the board. Lovely synergy. Yeah. Yeah. All these things do overlap, and there is a kind of there is an amazing uh, crossover between all of these things. So it's um, it's cool. What's next? What's next? Um, well, I haven't done a huge amount of private coaching uh, in the throes of setting the business up. Um, so I'm gonna I'm building my private coaching business back up. Um, I'm looking to launch some retreats next year. Um, I won't give too much away. Um, <laughs> they're quite unique. They'll be quite unique. But it's kind of adventure, adrenaline-based cool. uh, retreats uh, to get, kind of take people again physically and psychologically out of their comfort zone yep. and challenge people in different ways, um, whilst also maybe trying to instill some of these things. Uh, these kind of lifestyle uh, adjustments, you know, mm-hmm. building a movement practice, building a daily routine, building these kind of things in. Um, and I'll be working with some really great guys on that, so that's exciting. We're going to see a local motion Brighton, is that right? Yeah, man, that would be awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, I think those guys will dig it, right? Yeah. The guys in Brighton look quite... Um, like, yeah, I think whenever that... I meet people down there, they're so open-minded and relaxed. And... I think that the market's uh, less mature than London, but the, the, there is a market for it, for, of course. Yeah, perfect. Know, That's yeah. what we want, immature people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, just like, we just want to play. Um, awesome. But it'd be amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, pursuing a lot of things personally in my own practice. Like, I'm always trying to train yeah. myself and learn, like, be the eternal student. Yeah. Um, so, it's breath work and some cold water immersion is on the agenda. I'm going to come yeah. down and see you in Brighton. Man, there every day, man. Morning skinny dip. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's about it, really. Cool. Yeah, that's enough to be getting on with. Everything. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, you know, uh, you know, we. It, I just want to acknowledge you for kind of, in, in a way, like everything that you're doing here with your space and and the kind of the the way that you've broken through your own personal barriers to create what you've created, and it is truly I encourage anyone to come down. Um, who's London-based or UK-based to come down and check it out and have a chat with you because you're such an approachable guy. And, and you know, the, the conversation we've had is lots about people who don't really understand 
this sphere to come and how to get into it, which I think is phenomenal and really helpful. And hopefully the, the, the listeners will find a huge amount of value from what you've delivered um, today, but also just, just for having the balls to kind of do it. You know, five years ago, movement culture wasn't where it is today. Uh, to find a space uh, to take on that overhead, to kind of put yourself out of the limb, to create something um, that you want to be part of and you think is truly special because that's no mean feat. That's no, no small feat. Um, so, yeah. Awesome. Thank you, mate. That's very kind of you. It, yeah, it was a risk. Uh, I've, there's been a lot of sacrifice along the way. Um, I feel now like the tide is turning. I feel this is quite a good time to have this conversation. Um, I think people are looking looking for something a little bit more enriching. Um, so fingers crossed, yeah, locomotion after. <laughs> the franchise might be around, coming. Might be around the corner. Yeah. Um, Definitely, definitely, yeah, some retreats and just getting getting as many people as you can. And also, I should say, we have these things, tribal gatherings, which are like our little excursions mm-hmm. where we take everyone off and do stuff. It's open to everyone. Yeah. So if you're listening, if you're based in London, stay tuned. Instagram is the go-to. Yeah. How can they find you? Uh, we're on Instagram at L Motion Studios, um, Facebook L Motion Studios, um, and info at Local Motion studios.com is cool. the email uh, the website is localmotionlondon.com localmotionlondon.com um, wicked yeah it'd be great to hear from people if you have any questions they will come down yeah and um, yeah we there are so many synergies between kind of what we're doing um, as individuals, but also so many of the guys that I've had on the podcast. Um, and, you know, sort of, uh, you know, hopefully people are getting different aspects of the same model and, and are able to kind of jump in and, and sort of engage with people like you and organisations like the one you put together. So I certainly hope people take you up on that. Simon, it's been awesome. Thank hey, you very much, so brother. Much. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, I will no doubt speak to you very soon on the podcast. Sweet, bro. Thank Cheers. You. Another one in the bag. Thank you very much, guys, for listening to that. And hopefully, uh, Sai has kind of opened your eyes to to different... um different ways of thinking around health and fitness and movement, movement culture, and and kind of getting a lot more enjoyment, a lot more satisfaction, and also cultivating uh, weaknesses and and working on weaknesses and and identifying areas that you need to improve on, and maybe trying to take a different sort of mindset on on the way you're approaching um, your health. Uh, really, really interesting uh, conversation. Uh, I'm sure you'll agree if you got to this far on the podcast. But thank you very much for listening. Uh, please engage with us on social media. I'm at the Knock, and that's T H E N O Q. Uh, whether it be on Facebook or Instagram, um, just send me a message. Let me know how you're getting on. Any questions? Um, please, please, please. I love engaging with people, and I really want to help you guys out um, as much as possible. So please. Um, let me know how you're getting on. If you want to help us, then you can leave us a review on your favorite app, however you digest it, whether it be iTunes or Stitcher or all the other bits and pieces uh, where you can find uh, the Elemental Health Podcast. Please leave us a review. Um, but what works better than that is if you actually tell someone about the podcast uh, verbally or, or, or by message directly and, and get them engaged um, one-on-one. That's always the most effective way. It's what worked um, a thousand years ago years ago and it's what work in a thousand years time guys thank you very much for listening next week's episode is going to be truly phenomenal it's an incredible conversation that really blew my mind um 
and I hope you tune in for that one. Speak soon. Take care. <laughs>